I'm just going to count down then. All Three, right. two, one. Hello, Aaron Chen, and welcome to the Ponytail Show, all the way from Sydney, Australia. Yeah. Hey, Laura. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Ah, oh, so stoked. Like, okay, so someone randomly sent me that um, that short clip from your special on Adult Swim about <laughs> from Ponytail Magazine, and they thought that they thought it was like something to do with like the Ponytail Journal and Ponytail Show. So, like, I checked it out, and then, man, that special, a life in questions, Wisdom School with Aaron Chen, is. It's so good, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. When we were writing the special, um, one of the ways we tried to write jokes was we were trying to put any words together to try to find the funniest name for different publications. And one of them that stuck was Ponytail Magazine. <laughs> well, I'm when I so- received the email from you saying that you're yeah. from Ponytail Journal, I laughed so hard. <laughs> I know, right? Like, I was like, uh, yeah, that just makes me feel really good about myself that I created a whole empire based on a, a joke. Um, <laughs> but, took a to but I feel like the function of your work and your profession is very important in society, which is exactly why I wanted to have you on the show. Because, yeah, first of all, I think it's important that people know a little bit about you and what you do. So can you tell everybody out there um, who you are and what you do and what you like in life? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yes, my name is Aaron Chen and I am a, I started as a stand-up comedian but now I do broad um, screen comedy as well and I um, also write the words ponytail magazine and uh, (laughs) slightly different to your publication. And um, yeah, what do I like? I love cooking and food and also um, soccer. Nice. Apart from my job. Like Was that like an icebreaker question? Yeah, you go. Yeah, it was totally because I'm happy that you like food and cooking because I like food and cooking too and Mm -hmm. that's fun to talk about. I live in Bangkok. Bangkok. Yeah, we're in. I'm in Bangkok. That's where. And there's lots of food and cooking going on. Ah, so much food and cooking. It's it's a very delicious experience to live (laughs) here. Have you ever been to Bangkok before? No, I would love to. Yeah, it's like a dream. Anytime, once you can leave your country. you're welcome to come and eat food here. Um, so, so tell me about like, um, first of all, like why did you want to become a comedian? When did that happen I, to? I guess the story is that I um, started doing speeches in high school in front of the school uh, and did funny speeches and then I got such a rush from it that I afterwards I Googled, how do you do funny speeches outside of school? <laughs> and um, it, turned, it was comedy. So I um, started doing that, did all the clubs and pubs and, um, yeah, just it really stuck. Yeah. I feel like, like I grew up in Sydney as well um, and, like, there's such a good kind of, like, 
nightlife, like live entertainment scene in Australia. And it's a really healthy scene, I feel like. But, um, and like doing the touring kind of circuit, like within Sydney and then starting to travel like interstate, like what was that process for you? And like, you know, cause you, you do like massive shows now. You're like really famous and stuff. That's very nice of you. Um, it looks very I, impressive from the internet. <laughs> I Yeah, I just was doing shows. Everything gets bigger gradually, so I did shows and comedy competitions in Sydney that led me to go to Melbourne for the comedy festival, and then that just becomes like the path that you go down is doing like an hour-long show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. So I did that for a few years. And um, then other festivals around Australia ask you to do stuff and then, yeah, you get on a little touring circuit. Sweet. What's, like, a comedy competition like? Is that when you, like, battle? (laughs) It's not, like, head-to-head, like um, a rap battle type situation, (laughs) but it's more with adjudicators and, like, more like a dog show type thing. (laughs) (laughs) All the dogs go in a row and then people silently write notes and stuff. Is there, like, a dress code? Like, it sounds really serious. Uh, No, it's still really, really silly, Um, (laughs) it being comedy and whatnot. There's no dress code at all. I just picture, like, people in suits, like, just basically a dog show that Mm -hmm. you you just stand in the middle (laughs) of the, the paddock and... Yeah. They should have um, one like that. I think they should have a formal comedy competition. <laughs> they should. I mean, yeah. that would be beautiful. We, you should pitch that to TV or something. Um, yeah. I had an idea. Um, my, I had an idea that, like, I have a lot of ideas for TV shows, but this one idea I had last week was that I think Australia needs their own version of Jersey Shore. And yeah. I think it would be really successful. And which suburb do you think, or which area encapsulates Jersey Shore the best? Well, I had this idea because I was on the phone with my sister, and her best friend Mel would be like the perfect main character for Jersey Shore. <laughs> and um, so it would be something like Parramatta, but there's no there's no beach in Parramatta, so it'd be like. Parramatta drive drive through Krispy Kreme or something, um, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like there's so much about That's Australia. Thanks. Well, oh, if you have any we'll connections, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that. Well, I've already got the cast, so it's ready to go. We'll be mm-hmm. really rich. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, cool. There's a lot of spin-off shows uh, from other places in Australia, like MasterChef and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So that could be really successful. Anyway, we'll talk about that off air. Um, so back to um, personal presentation. How important is style to you on the stage and off the stage? I think I like it. It, um, it is maybe a little bit important in that it's kind of fun and you can muck around with it, but it is not um, definitely a be-all and end-all for me, but I can understand how it um, could be 
um, yeah. Well, you definitely I, have I, like yeah. you have like a specific look right now. I'm not sure if you always had this look, but it's very specific look right now. It's actually to me as a from the fashion world, you look pretty trendy, mate. Like the mullet is coming back. The mullet made its comeback yep. in 2020, but I think it'll come back in a big way in 2021. And um yeah. like also the glasses, I mean they're they're very on point like yeah, respect man. Do you have any Thank you. Do That's, you have any um nice. trend yeah. pre- trend predictions for 2021? Trend predictions for 20 20- 21 that's really hard i think um maybe the pants will become baggier i think we're looking at um uh two, 2000s to 2010 mm. that type of thing nice. who knows yeah what, what do you reckon i i would love to know from you what well, you reckon i don't like i have a fashion business but i don't really follow trends because i just do what i like but then it ends up being mm-hmm. a trend anyway. So, like, oh, that's, so that's cool. sick. It's sick, but sometimes I'm too yeah. fast. But it's okay. As in too ahead of yeah, the Yeah, sometimes curve. You, do, you put things out there and they totally fail because they're just a little bit too early and people don't get it. What's the – yeah, I was thinking about this the other day because it's like – Sometimes you want to be like ahead of the thing, like you want to have the mullet like a couple of years before um, it pops off, but then you're just someone with a mullet, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw this video. So I guess you just have to really like yeah, it, right? Yeah, exactly. You just, you know what is the most trendy thing? That the only advice I could give anybody ever about trend eatiness mm-hmm. and style is the most trendy thing you can do in life is to know yourself, know what you like, and do that. Thank you so much. That um, felt very yeah, wise and touching. Thank you. Yeah, I've been thinking about it for a while. I mean, for my whole career. But um, how long? How long do you reckon since the start of your career? Um, it's probably so. I'm like. 31 so it's probably been like 10 years oh wow 10 years and what was the start of it sorry to ask well well, it's okay because like kind of the you know the kind of the reason why I had you on the show is because you're kind of the gold standard of interviewers in the industry (laughs) and like actually it was very intimidating for me to to have you on my show and interview you. So I'm kind of glad that there's a little yes. bit of ping pong back and forth. But Yeah, it's two interviewers going. Yeah, it's it's it. almost like a comedian battle, but I'm not a comedian, so I'm like I have a handicap <laughs> to start with. You've got a couple of laughs out of me. Thanks, so. mate. It's probably a pity laugh. But, um, well, I started to do fashion by accident. Um, I studied at... Sydney College of the Arts, which is like a art school yes. in Roselle. It, the building's no longer there. Oh, what? They sold it. No way. It's still there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sorry. I'm a bit out of touch with Sydney. Um, but 
Yeah. yeah, so I studied photography and um, art, and then I didn't, like, I didn't learn anything really. Like, it was just basically three years of soul searching because you don't really learn much at art school, to be honest. Um, yeah, okay. just heads up to Gen Z. And, <laughs> um, and then, I don't know, I just, like, was doing a lot of hustling, side hustling, and... I, yeah, I did a bit of modeling and just fell into, fell into the fashion world and it took, fashion it world. took me, it, it, it took me in and it, it teleported me everywhere. And then I just, yeah, I just started my own thing. I started Ponytail Journal like eight years ago now, maybe seven or eight yeah. years ago. How did you come up with the name Ponytail Journal? Was it a similar? Yeah, this is a good um, topic. As a- this is a good topic because yes. we can talk about ponytails, which is very important. Um, so I came <laughs> up with Ponytail Journal. Um, well, I think ponytails are really functional. I just wanted to make a name that people would remember. So I, I picked Ponytail because it's like a functional hairstyle. I'm a very functional kind of do-it-yourself kind of gal and mm-hmm. I just figured I wear ponytails a lot and um, and then it was like my journal be- because back then like that was when blogs were like a thing and like my blog was my journal. So I just made like, yeah, I just made posts about things that I like. Um, That's so thanks. cool. And then it just kind of snowballed. Like Vogue Australia, like. Was it a dot blogspot or dot It was Tumblr? a dot, dot WordPress, but from the beginning, I dot WordPress. I think I always had it as dot com. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Powered by WordPress. Powered by WordPress. Um, <laughs> yeah. Thank you, WordPress. You got Vogue Australia. Yeah, so Vogue Australia then one day approached me. <laughs> Like I, yes. like I am not cool. Okay, like I'm not like stylish and like in the Vogue sense, you know. Like I'm like the <laughs> underdog of the fashion world that like I I never know what I'm doing. But Vogue Australia hired me to write about style for them for like three years because of Ponytail Journal. So basically, I'd made this like. It was all smoke and mirrors. I just made this facade on the internet that made people think that I had something to say that was worth saying about fashion. Mm. Yeah. Hey, did did you see that uh, um, the Kamala Harris Vogue thing? No. What is that? Do you know Kamala Harris, yeah. the vice president? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was. <laughs> She's pretty famous. Um, I think Vogue, there was a bit of beef between Vogue and them because um, there were two different covers shot for the thing and one was her in, like, very casual. She's wearing, like, chucks and, like, skinny jeans and the other one was a more presidential one, but they ran with the chucks on. In my mind, I think I prefer the... So you should have a look at I the will. photos. It's so Kamala had beef yeah. with Vogue, but like to be honest, if you're the vice president and you like someone makes you do a photo shoot in chucks, like you you kind of know. Yeah. 
yeah, that's the end already. Like you should have not put on the trucks well, if yeah. you didn't want to. I'm just looking <laughs> yeah. it up now. Um, oh yeah, have a look. Which of the photos do you prefer? Oh, I see. Where's the? Oh, I see. It's like the the progressive Kamala and the conservative Kamala. Which one wins? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um, she looks very left wing in the with the s- sneakers on. You know what? She doesn't look fully comfortable oh, in either no. shot. She looks more comfortable in the grey conservative jacket. Yeah. I feel like that yeah. that yeah. Um, that rings with her more. Things. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the votes in. Um, so I want to talk about your career and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's easy to kind of rise to the top, but it's very difficult to stay on top. Um mm-hmm. and because you're always pushing boundaries with interviewing styles and interviewing um how do what's next for you like where are you at right now in terms of like what new type of interview do I want to do how are you like how how many boundaries can you possibly push or is it like is there an infinite amount of boundaries in the universe that you can continually push I guess maybe there's not an infinite in the, or maybe there is an infinite amount in the universe, but there is definitely infinite amount in my personal universe as I'm so minuscule and the world is so, so big. So who knows where you could go next? I think um, like what you said about style, I think setting your own pace is important and not racing against other people, but, kind of you got to have rest you got to take breaks but you got to also just do what you want and sometimes you have to say no to no to um things that may launch you into a higher sphere but may um put you out of your enjoyment zone or comfort zone totally because that's like yeah i feel like being creative like is is a process where like a, you can't burn out. I learned that you can't burn out when you're making stuff because you won't have any more juju to make stuff. Like if you do too mm-hmm. much stuff, you spend it all. You'll be spent. Yes. But at the same yes. time, you need to exercise the the muscle in your brain that, you know, like just like anything, if you eat Doritos all day and you lie around watching TV, um, then you won't have six pack abs. So it's like it's like finding a balance between exercising that creative muscle in your brain and giving it enough rest to make the best yeah. thing possible. Um, to also celebrate and yeah, keep that. Yeah, sorry, yeah, that's all. You can talk lots oh, yeah. too if you like. You know, this podcast is about yeah, you, yeah, yeah, so yeah. don't worry about interrupting me. Yeah. Um, yeah. that's my style. Um, I was curious, like I, you know, in my work, I'm really like into history. I like learning about mm-hmm. history and I feel like, um, 
the history that you learn in school is like really paints such a tiny window into like who we are as people that I felt like after school and like when I started working and stuff like I started to learn about real history like a lot of things that I just had no idea about like you know um how important is history to you in your life Mm -hmm. and in your work and and how that tells people and tells yourself about who you are um as in like a personal history or everything everything it's all history I think everything, yeah, it's all like pretty important because you're bouncing off of history and stuff like that. And it's like, um, it's a good like guide for the future and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's right in saying like all the high school subjects can be really boring until you access them from like a place of your own enjoyment. Like I was talking to a friend the other day about how like we both hated science class in school, but we started to enjoy science after like finding science in things we both liked and whatever. Nice. Um, I think the same with history. Like sometimes you don't want to spend like five years learning about like World War Two, but then you're like, oh, this is a thing I like. Yeah. Um, like, uh, but like stand-up's interesting because stand-up in like Sydney, for example, is like quite a young history, but it's really interesting to see how the style of comedy now is informed by everything that came before and the moments of like reforming and like being the alternative comedy starting and stuff like Mm. that and how it's ended up the way it is. It's interesting to trace it back. Yeah. Like, I feel like humour in Australian society is, like, a really important factor. Like, a lot of people like to think they're funny and, um, like, it probably comes a lot of the influence from, like, contemporary Australian culture probably comes from, like, you know, Anglo-Saxon, like, English culture, but now it's kind of getting mixed Mm. up, like, with people, more people coming to Australia and, like, you know, mixing in their flavours and, like, what is, like, okay, Australia has a really young history. Colonised Australia has a really young history. Um, Like, were you born in Australia? Like, did your when did your family come to Australia? Like, why did they come? And, like, how how's it been for you guys? Yeah, I was born in um, 95 and my dad came over in 91 because of um, the, uh, because he was persecuted in China um, or just had a tough time in China, I guess, did like farm labor and stuff. So, um, yeah, so that's why he came and that's how we ended up here. Where in China so did you, where did he come from? Shanghai. Oh, Shanghai. My grandma came from Beijing. Have you been? I've been to Shanghai. Oh. Yeah. Yes. My grandma also left China, but like in like 1949. 
and they went to Taiwan. Oh, wow. And they went to Taiwan because of, like, mm-hmm. you know, Mao's With cultural the KMT. revolution. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But um, do, so um, let's talk about food now because that's somehow that's related to history because everything is. Um, <laughs> yes. What do you like about food? Do you like to cook food or do you just like eating food? And what kind of food do you like? I like both. I got big into cooking um, during the lockdown. Like I went crazy. I bought like a um, really expensive Dutch oven and um, a cast iron pan and got into the gear a lot. Um, I loved cooking like Asian food at the start, but now I'm cooking all sorts of different types of things. Um, But, yeah, I love eating out as well. Are you you Um, allowed to eat out now? I think Sydney is so good for food. Yes. Yeah, you are. Absolutely. What? Um, What? Yeah. Yeah. Are you guys? I think I saw a video early on in the lockdown of someone going to the street markets in Bangkok, Um, but there's masks on and, like, there was, like, dividers and stuff like that between all the seats yeah yeah I mean like to be honest like we had it pretty good all 2020 until like December Mm -hmm. we had like a pretty bad like second wave if you want to call it that the government doesn't want to call it we have a military government here so they don't want to call it a second wave. yes we do um (laughs) yeah it is pretty funny there's like a uh, at 8 p.m. every day, there's like an announcement from the the, the prime minister, oh, wow. and there's a lot of censorship yeah. on on TV. Like they they don't even show like wow. people smoking. Is this going to be censored? No, this is the internet, so it's a little <laughs> bit less censored. And also because like yeah. I'm so niche that they just they don't care. But okay. um, yeah, like you cool. can't even access the Daily Mail um, website here. I mean, like, we have a lot of freedoms, but we take our freedoms. We really appreciate our freedoms here because mm-hmm. you yeah. have to appreciate things that can be taken away from you at any time. I feel like... So are you in lockdown at the moment? Well, right or? now we're not going into another lockdown because um, I think they'll be rioting if, like, the government just said there'll be a nationwide lockdown because people just can't afford to stop um so but there's like really heavy restrictions again which is like such a Mm -hmm. it's heavy but you know the whole world is like going through this second thing you guys had like a another little northern beaches spike not long ago yeah seems to be cooling now i think they found a groove or i found a way to deal with it without having to lock down too hard yeah what's it been like for you like um with work and stuff, so you haven't – have you basically not been able to do stand-up all year last year? No, definitely been able to. The rooms were at sometimes really, really good, sometimes at like 25%, um, but I did it much, much less. Um, but that was kind of a blessing in disguise because I enjoyed – Having a bit of a break from it all. Like, yeah. I think there's sometimes an instinct where you have to be working really, really hard to like feel like you're, you're making an impact or feel like you're like working out yeah. type of thing. But um, 
I think COVID has kind of revealed that you can put the brakes on a bit sometimes. That's so nice. I, yeah. Yeah. That's like a nice segue into resilience. I thought I'd, I, I like to have themes in every podcast and I thought like resilience is a nice theme because like, you know, like for me, the most resilient spirit animal that I can think of is like a cockroach because like they're everywhere, you know, they keep going. It's really hard to kill them and they're very like, they're very like productive little creatures do you have like, do, what do you think about the idea of resilience and what does it mean to you and does it have a spirit animal? Mm. The spirit animal would be maybe off the top of my head like the human, I would say, one of the most adaptable creatures um, and I would say in terms of resilience, uh, have you read that book, Anti-Fragile, ever? No, but I've heard of it, actually. Yeah, I've heard of it. People love talking about that book. I feel like it's that very sums trendy. up like, not only resilience but um, growing through stress, and I do like that idea. Because yeah. um, resilience maybe suggests like you're not phased by things. I feel like right. that's a facade. Okay. I feel like resilient. Like yeah, I think, facade. like yeah, yeah, like yeah. if you look, if you think about science, right? You like test the resilience of something by putting stresses on it, right? Like in yes. physics, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so resilience can only happen if you put a, a lot of stress on yourself, and like part of that is like acknowledging that you're under stress instead of being instead <laughs> of ignoring it and being like I'm fine yeah and just staring off into space yeah yeah I'm just imagining one of those like test things where they're putting pressure on like an iPhone yeah and it's just not acknowledging that it's being put under that test yeah but um yeah I think resilience is cool I think it is cool I don't know what 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 do we tap into when we talk about resilience? We talk about. I don't know. I think we're just very adaptable, honestly. Like, like we can do it if we must. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what that means in certain situations. Yeah, I feel like we don't realize how much weight we can bear. Like, we can actually mm. bear a lot of weight as humans yeah and yes yeah and like life is heavy it's not just about bearing the weight of competing in life and getting ahead of the rat race and and like yes. being successful it's not even a race it's not it's even a, a race treadmill. it's a treadmill. treadmill and we're all just tricking <laughs> ourselves because it's a treadmill that never stops and it keeps getting faster and like you know everyone's on the treadmill and like you know then we have life stuff like real like the older you get you have to kind of balance mm-hmm. the treadmill with like real life chaos because chaos loves yes. to just build up and you yes. combine those things and then that becomes a mega load that you need to bear mm-hmm. the older you get yeah. i feel like 
And um, resilience is something we were born with, I feel like. It's the inner. Do you think so? Yeah, it's like the inner cockroach spirit animal inside of us that's like, you know what? It's a really, I had a really bad day yesterday, but today I'm waking up and it's a new day. And we have that choice. We all have that choice to be like, shit's happening. The world is burning down, but I can choose to feel like today's going to be a good day or whatever you know that's a choice yeah we're presented with yeah so many i guess choices. so i guess it's also developed because like if you have a kid and the kid is all the time um getting what it wants and whatever and never then the the muscle of resilience is yes. less present right it's eating but then if you go like through a lot of trials all the time and then you keep going through them, then eventually you're just like, oh, I can deal with that. But then sometimes too much stress makes you go cuckoo, yeah. I guess. Yeah, like it's a balance between yeah. being fat and eating Doritos and being really ripped and being too ripped that your, like, muscles are going to pop out of that, it, your you skin. burst a vessel in your eye or Jeez, something. man. Yeah. That sounds not nice. And it all goes red. It's not good. Wow. I didn't know that was a thing. How did you end up in uh, Bangkok? I'm half Thai. Well, I'm like half Thai Chinese. And so I was mm-hmm. <clears throat> I was born in Hong Kong, actually. And mm-hmm. I moved to Thailand when I was like three or something. Mm-hmm. I grew up here for a bit. And then I went to Australia when I was like 10. And then, oh, yeah. Cool. And like, I just felt like when I finished studying, I felt like, I wanted to come back. I feel like this is really home. And cool. Yeah, Thailand is like a really wonderful place because people here are really f- nice. Mm-hmm. They're really nice. Yeah. They <clears throat> they smile a lot and but they mean it. They the inbuilt in our language, um, you kind of call each other like brother and sister and auntie and uncle, like even if you're strangers. I mean, that's mm-hmm. quite an Asian, like it's it, it's mm-hmm. an Asian thing, I guess. Yeah, it's a cool it's thing. It's a cool thing. So you feel like you're like family with everybody that you meet in the street and mm-hmm. like there's awesome food and there's just a really – positive attitude to life that feels light here i've lived in like a bunch of places i just moved back from living in france for a few years last year and like it really made me appreciate like the thai culture because like people are just genuinely happy for each other and there's like a really the feeling is like a village community like that's the best way yeah. I can describe it. It's like, yeah. Have you ever met um, Mark Wiens? No. Who's that? He talks about food a lot on YouTube and he's, I think he is Thai. Oh, really? He lives in Thailand. I should go and yeah. find him. I love making friends. Yeah. Making friends is the best. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Yeah, it's hey. so good. I'm going to plug my laptop in real quick. Sorry. Okay. It's really early where you are, hey. Hell yeah, I woke up at like 5.30. 
Oh, sorry okay. to make you do that. Uh, that that <laughs> sentence wasn't intended to make you feel bad as a person. Yeah. Okay. It was just a Thanks. fact. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I have to say that to people in Australia because, like, I know, like, I feel like growing up in Australia, like, I was, I felt like everyone that said stuff, I'm not going to put this up online, um, this little sentence. Maybe I will. You can. I will, actually. <laughs> um, like, people, um, I felt like I had to read into every sentence that people would say to me because there was like an underlying like secret message. But you know what? Like I just say things that are just fact and just how I feel now. There's no hidden messages and that's how that's how I feel like life functions better. What do you think yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah, I agree. Yes, I love honesty. Yes. I think um but it's often, yeah, a lofty thing to achieve. I'm not as, but it sounds a bit um, good at it as you are. <laughs> but, That's okay. Uh, I, you were born yeah, in 95. I would love to work towards that. I'm yeah. like, I have a few yes. years ahead of you, so I've, it's, I've been sharpening that muscle. That, yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully I'll get there. And I always get excited about getting older, I like... <laughs> I dream of being like 40 years old. I was like, I think about it sometimes and I'm like, I'll be so, some, something will be formed in me by the time I'm 40. Were, you, were you, you like one of those kids who like always, he was like an old man but a child? Like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. When I was in year seven, I would hang out with the year 12. And then when I finished uni, all my friends were comedians who were 30. Well, not finished uni, but stop doing uni or was in uni or whatever do you think like yeah what do you think is like the prime age so you think 40 is going to be your prime age what are you going to do when you're 40 what am I going to do yeah. like in, what, I don't know specifically what's your life going to be will... like you have to have I mean you're a successful human yeah. being so you probably uh -huh. have goals and aspirations and like and probably author yes your future self. So what will your 40-year-old mm -hmm. self be? Who will he be like? How will he um, function in society? I think I will um, aim to, by 40, be a trad family man uh, <laughs> and live a quiet life, um, that type of thing. You know, there's a musician called King Cruel. Have you, mm -hmm. Do you know this person? He's actually one of my – I love his style, if you're talking about Beautiful. style. But he's um, – I think he's younger than me or maybe my age or slightly older and he has a baby and lives on a farm. It's exciting. Yeah, responsibility. I think that sounds exciting. Yeah. To have what I want at 40 at this age, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like he's just she's just taking the leap, you know. He's just taking the yeah. responsibility of life, and he's shouldering it. And he's like, he's yeah. showing his resilience, and he's just killing it at life. At in his twenties, yeah. damn. Mm -hmm. That's like, what a dream. What a dream. I thought I had it. I thought I had it all what, figured yeah. out in my twenties. 
But then I reached 30. Yeah. 30 was a real turning point for me. Like as soon as I turned 30, Why? suddenly life became real. Like mm-hmm. in my 20s, everything was like easy. Everything was like all I had to think about was just climbing up the ranks of my invented career and just like dedicating my time to myself. Then when I hit 30, it was like, okay, now there's real life stuff. There's like, I was, I'm like, there's like marriage. And then there's like, then it's like your parents are getting old and you have to look after your parents. Then you have to think about children and, and then you have to juggle all these more things, the real life stuff with the career stuff. And then there's also Mm -hmm. something about being a, woman when you're like 30 and it's like you have to Mm -hmm. there's this thing where you have to be like do I want to focus all my energy on being a ruthless career woman and just trampling on all humankind Mm -hmm. in my career or do I want to like have a family and like step down step just get the ego and step it down a little bit and put that aside and like you know, dedicate myself to other beings. And it's kind of a fork in the road that I think guys don't get that so, so distinctly when they turn 30. Acutely, But when you turn 30 as a a lady, it's like genetics and science makes you think about these things. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, I can... Sympathize, but I can't empathize <laughs> because I'm neither of those things yet. But I can tell you, the twenty, tw- yeah, twenties have been easy. <laughs> um, what do you like most about twenties? I guess um, it's just a lot of um, choice to a fault. Maybe I think. Early 20s, I got a lot of FOMO. I think I'm kind of growing out of that a little bit. Like, because there's so much choice, you're always worried you're making the wrong choice. But now, like, I think a good option is to just stay at home in your bed doing a podcast with someone in Bangkok with a ponytail journal. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's, like, the best thing I could possibly be doing. Wow, I'm so stoked about that. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Talking about life with a complete stranger that we met on the internet. Yeah. I love it. It's so it's good. It's kind of what I've been mm-hmm. doing a lot recently. It's pretty fun. Yes. You should start a podcast if you just feel, no, feel like it. I feel like I'm – yeah, thank yeah. you. I feel like there's so many people better than me at the niche of podcasting, but – Maybe one day. Yeah. Who knows? It's, that's just a construct in your mind. No one's stopping no me. No one's stopping you. Yes. And, yeah. like, if you invent a new lane, then nobody's better at doing it because you just invented You're right. it. That's my life philosophy. <laughs> Do you have any more um, style tips or anything like that? Where, sh- where should I 
buy some clothes. I'm looking at buying oh, okay. some clothes. Um, no problem. So, like, I mm-hmm. only buy old clothes. Like, I don't buy new clothes. So my favorite, yes. you know, Vinnie's, Salvo's in Australia, like all the, the op shops, the yes. thrift stores, that's when you sharpen your eye for the universe. That's when you sharpen. But it's hard work thrifting, right? It's not. It's the funnest thing you'll ever do and you'll mm-hmm. be, a, it's yeah. a, it's an addiction. I have a problem. I, I admit it. Yes. It's a sickness and it's something mm-hmm. that once you get hooked, you just can't stop doing and you end up collecting. Mm-hmm. Basically, when you start thrifting, you collect the things that people think are junk at, but they're like beautiful works of art that tell you about life and tell you about the past and yourself mm-hmm. you know you know the other day i picked up some tiki mugs um for one dollar and you know on the bottom what made them so special was on the bottom there was the sizzler logo and do you know what sizzler is they probably still have like one or two sizzlers in australia left but it was that's like a barbecue place hey? <laughs> Yeah. So it was like my childhood, yeah. like in the nineties, like Sizzler was popping. Like Sizzler was the place you yeah. go, the, the salad bar and the chocolate mousse. The chocolate mousse, you'd mm-hmm. put jelly in it at the end and like it was the best place ever. It was so yeah, Sizzler marks like I've been collecting like look at this t-shirt today. It's Montana so Montana good. Bass. It's got holes in it because whoever was wearing it probably were fishing all lived the time, the lived the life, and now it's living a second life on yeah. me. You know, like when you look yeah. when you look at a shop filled with junk, there's so much possibility. Mm-hmm. It's like a it's like a microcosm of potential just waiting to be unlocked. Yeah. And you know, mm-hmm. the more you do it, the more you sharpen your eye for who you are. Because you keep picking up yes. things and they can only be, they could be things for like 50 cents, 20 cents, $1, $2. Like you don't have to spend a lot of money on these things, but that you just pick them up and you don't know why you love them, but you love them so much and you collect them. Can I tell you my general thrifting experience? Please do. So I do totally understand where you're coming from, but I find it tough because I always buy something and then I don't wear it or like I go and I find nothing that I really want or my size is too weird Mm -hmm. to like thrift for and you have to spend so much time but I don't have that muscle yet. So I guess it is a thing of like it's like gardening or whatever where you actually have to spend time at getting good at it before it's easy. Yeah, yeah. You have to do it a lot. So I think that I need to put the hard yards in. Hell yeah. You can't but you can't just go to one op shop. Shopping makes me so sleepy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You can't just go to one op shop. It's like in one day you might dedicate your Sunday to like five op shops at least. Yeah. And, well, or like diving yes. in and flea market with that if there's a flea market around. But the best yeah. things are like bargain bins and like oh, and also like finding CDs. Do you have a CD player? in your house? Uh, no, not at the moment. <laughs> I used to buy so many. I've got a CD player in my car. Oh, sick. I used to buy so many CDs in 2013. 
because I stopped torrenting music that year Beautiful. and I had like such a big stack of CDs. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah. Op shops are great for CDs, you know, finding those mm-hmm. like hidden gems. And the best thing about CDs, yeah. I'm not sure if like young people don't understand. I'm not calling you a young person. I'm calling just people out in the young universe. Um, I am young though, thank you. Um, is that like nowadays we experience music in a different way. We don't listen to like a whole album. It's like mm-hmm. when you but yes. when you play a CD in your car, you're forced to listen to the whole album and like do you know how much work that person, whoever made that CD, like how much work it would have been to curate a track list from beginning to end and probably like cut out a bunch of songs and like take yeah. you on a journey? That's like, that's beautiful in itself. It is beautiful. Yeah. I think it's also like interesting metaphor for a wider um, thing, which is like we have – because we have so much choice, like we can get bored so much easy. Like yeah. it's so much harder to choose a song than to just let an album play yeah. and play like force you to listen to the whole thing. Yeah. So like, my theory, crazy. my theory about thrifting, and that's why I do it all the time, and that's where I get inspiration from, is that my parameters. There's like a set of parameters, which are the, which is the walls of that thrift shop. You know, whereas mm-hmm. if I was to try and look at, look for inspiration for a new collection just on the internet, I would have infinite like possibilities. And that's like too much choice. Yeah. Right? Yes. So I feel like yeah. what I've figured, this is my theory that like creativity works best when you have a framework it's like creativity is mm-hmm. like problem solving and like can you imagine trying to trying to solve a problem when there's no problem to solve yet yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes it's often so much easier to like these are your parameters and yeah go i totally agree totally. well aaron chen do you have any words of wisdom from your wisdom school to share with us for your last little spot segment on the ponytail show Um, i drew i drew that out so that you have time to think about it yeah and i just said the first thing that came (laughs) to my mind (laughs) always be writing yeah, I, um, do do morning pages, journal, whatever. I think it's a great way to clear your mind and meditate and also to have a record of what you've been thinking about. Beautiful. Thanks, Erin. Okay. Well, um, everyone who's listening, please go and check out A Life in Question Wisdom School by um, with Erin Chen. It's on, well, it's on the Adult Swim website um, and it's on, I looked this up, it's on HBO Max. Um, and on, and YouTube. on YouTube. So if people want to check you out, um, how can they do that, Aaron? Uh, Instagram, Chenny Lifestyle. That's probably the best bet. Sick. Thanks, Aaron. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate it.